Hello and welcome to the Fellowship Phase, an Adventures in Middle-earth podcast. I'm Josh and that's Callum. We're going to give you inside information on how to find your own path through Tolkien's world. Far, far below the deepest delving of the dwarfs, the world is gnawed by nameless things. Even Sauron knows them not. They are older than he. Now, I have walked there, but I will bring no report to darken the light of day. Hello, Callum. Hello, Josh. I sent a shiver down my spine, that introduction. Well, maybe something will come and remove your spine. That's an ominous thought. What are we talking about today? <laughs> I'm just thinking about all these alien RPGs that we play and Josh is so good at creating horror <laughs> and I think my horror would just be like um, medical horror. <laughs> <laughs> medical horror would work. Yeah, oh dear. Uh, what are we talking? Well, uh, we I don't know if we can really put a name to the things <laughs> that we're going to be talking about. Well, I really left myself open. Can't that. title it. If we were to title it, would we title it Nameless Things, perhaps? Or Things... That are the, the things that shall not be named. That feels like that's from a different thing. That thing's a different thing, yeah. Nameless things. Nameless things, which appear on page 164 of the new Lord of the Rings RPG 5th edition. Uh, this is something we've been quite excited to talk about, and it's a part of Middle-earth lore that I must say I don't know a huge amount about, and I think is ripe for discussion, ripe for rules. Because it feels like an area that Tolkien touched on a bit, but never really fleshed out quite deliberately because it is a kind of unspoken, nameless thing. So maybe you could kick us off telling us what you know as a lore master about the concept of nameless things, and mm. then we are going to create one. I think part of this harks back to what James, our guest, mentioned on the Shadow episodes, and I will... See, I will bow to his superior token knowledge in the Legendarium, but uh, my understanding of the nameless things is that is a concept that Tolkien loosely introduces, which is you know there, there's all the mythos within the within the Similarian about the creation of the world of Arda, of the Valar and the Maiar um, being the beings that are you know the most powerful beings. Not really gods, but they're there at the beginning. And and Gandalf suggesting that these nameless things are older than Sauron suggests that they were actually there before the physical arrival of some of the Maiar to Arda. Yeah. And we know that in the like song that created the world by I think it's Eru who's like the or Luvatar, um there there is this you know, discord brought into the music of the world. Um, and I think there's a lot of debate online about what exactly these nameless things are. Uh, we, we see one example of them in the book and in the films as the Watcher in the Watcher, outside yes. the west gates of Moria in the Watcher. And there's some thoughts that it's crawled out of deeper places. And it's also mentioned about... Um, the that Durin's Bane, the Balrog, had, had navigated sort of tunnels deep in the dark. And I guess the idea is that like these are 
unreally noble, undescribable, unthinkable horrors from yeah. a deeper time of Middle Earth that lurk in the deepest parts of the Earth, and kind of ties into some of the themes that you know, darkness and an unknown is where evil lurks, and knowledge can be freeing and and light, yes. and that's shadow like. That's so so great that it isn't described. You know, we don't want to know what these are because, you know, so much of horror yes. as a as a theme is about the unknown and the uncertainty. And that's I guess why they're so terrifying. Yes. It, the more that you describe or shine a light on something, often the less scary it is because people's imagination is often so much more powerful at creating that sense of fear. Now Tolkien, I don't don't think particularly invented the concept of this unknowable evil or horror, and actually it appears in other literature a little bit earlier. So Lovecraft touches on a lot with sort of eldritch horrors, the idea of things mm. that are almost not able to be understood by the human mind. They're so complex and evil and, and frightening. And it feels like it kind of touches on that. I think its its place in the game is fun because the game is very much about like delving into dungeons and dark places the essence of which is we are here at a current time and we're exploring something from a an earlier age so often if the earlier ages are more magical and, and mightier and the world is fading so you get to see these amazing ruins and that's kind of the essence of a lot of fantasy is about exploring that this feels like the, the kind of dark part of that which is there are evil fouler things than the kind of day-to-day -day enemies that you face you're maybe not going to encounter the watcher in the water in every session but the fact that it's present in the world gives this sense of you know the world is old and you're very fleeting yeah. in yeah. it um now the new rules have a a section in the the kind of the monster section which runs through orcs and goblins and i'm just flicking through here we've got the hound of sauron the rules for that wargs there is a section page 164 about nameless things and actually creating them and what i like is that they've not tried to define it too much because i think if they really defined it it would take away yeah. from from this what they've done instead is created a series of tables very evocative which you can roll on or you can pick from to give you the kind of loose idea of what this nameless thing might be without spoiling the horror and unknowable sense of it. Um, and you could use it in your game. I, lo I love it because it's sometimes in 5th edition I find that like, if you're particularly familiar with the, 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 the game and you've played a lot, Sometimes it's like you start someone just, the lower the DM starts describing a monster or puts a token down or something, and you're like, oh, it's a beholder, and then you suddenly know all the things about <laughs> it. And I think knowing is half the battle. So then you're like, okay, well, you know, it's hard not to meta game. Whereas this, there's so much like random stuff in it, and it gives you some rules to work by. But I think it's a really creative way of using this part of Tolkien's lore in a way that feels true to it, but also really like useful for a lore master yeah. to, to then put into their game in some way or the other. Yeah. And I'm really excited to use it. They have a, a kind of template stat block in the book for Nameless Thing, and, and it's laid out like a normal stat block would be. But a lot of the details are not filled in, and they refer to the tables that we're about to roll on. So Nameless Thing is huge or gargantuan, depending on what we roll. 
uh, its strength, its dex, and its con are all related to one of the tables. Um, its armor classes, as are its hit points. It does have a speed, and it does have some skills, but a lot of its abilities are defined by what we roll. Now, we don't want to spoil what's in the book for everyone, so what we're going to do is just create one. Yeah. So you get a flavor of it without seeing everything that's on the table. There are uh, seven tables, excuse me, sorry, eight tables, because there's an additional one at the end, each of which you roll a combination of D12s. So there's the variety of what you could roll. I'm sure there'll be a talented you mathematician. Out, yeah. Someone could. A ta- talented mathematician. Oh, you, you've got a PhD. You could, you could work out eight times 12. <laughs> it's more complicated than oh, eight no, it's 12, 12 to the power of eight. Uh, but on table one, know. for instance, you roll three D12. Oh, okay. So if there are any talented mathematicians who listen, please remember you can email us at thefellowshipphase the at gmail.com. Gmail. Thank you. And you could tell us how many combinations <laughs> of... Uh, you'll need the book to do this. What we're going to do is I've got the book and Callum's got the D12. And Ooh, we're Nice gonna... metal D12. It's lovely, Josh. isn't it? I got given these for uh, uh, my anniversary from my wife. They are um, bronze... A full bronze set of D&D dice. I love them. They're lovely, aren't they? Um, they also have dragons on them, which feels very in keeping. But we're going to create a nameless thing. So the first table requires three D12s. Okay, here we and go. And this is what the thing is referred uh, to. Okay, here we go. Eleven. Three. Four. Okay. It is the lurker of the abyss. That's what it's known by the elves. The lurker of the abyss is what this is known by the elves. Yep, it feels pretty horrifying already. Table two, the thing can be described as... One. And one more die as well, please. Nine. Bat-like with a swollen body. Our next table is going to be another 2d12, and this is when first encountered. 12. 2. Okay. Before you see it, you feel a terrible cold. And what you first see are its great claws. So what have we got so far? Bat-like, with a swollen body... You feel a terrible cold and see its great claws. <laughs> yeah, it's horrifying already. Now is a rumour about it. Just one roll, please. Two. When Anuminus was young, the men of Arnor disturbed something monstrous that had been sleeping on the bottom of Lake Evendim for millennia. One summer night, the thing lashed out in fury at several ships anchored near the harbour, dragging them into the depths along with their crew. Then it disappeared. For a while. So that's the rumour about the lurker of the abyss. Now we move on to where it is remembered. Six. Few traces remain of the countless generations of Northmen who inhabited the southeastern edge of Mirkwood. Among them is a burial monument covered in soft moss. An inscription speaks of the death of Serena, a village chief probably, caused by a terrible thing that came out of the woods at night and could only be kept at bay by lighting large fires. 
So what we know is it began, or the rumour about the thing was that uh, it slept under a lake, but now presumably it roams around the land and... It immigrated. Yes, it did. Uh, I guess when Anumanus fell and all the men of Arnor left, it was like, well... <laughs> time for me to go. Off to go as well. Now we get more onto some of its actual mechanical rules. We've got flavour of it. So this one, I need you to... Ooh, ooh. This one is a D20 switching oh. die. Oh dear. The maths has gone all here. <laughs> Seven. Seven. Okay, this is to do with its size. It is huge. Makes sense. This also then gives it some stats. Um, so for instance, it has 15 AC. Its hit points uh, are 175. That gives you a sense of how powerful it is. <laughs> That's crazy. Or if you want to roll it yourself, it would be 14d12 plus 84. And then it gives it its stats. It would have strength 23, but only decks of 8 and a con of 22. So we've got an incredibly strong, quite clumsy, huge bat-like creature with a swollen body, which is cold and clawed and lives both in forests and lakes. It's horrifying. <laughs> um, now we do its attack, okay. which is rolling two d3, which okay. I presume is wanting us to roll. Yeah. That's a two, and that's a two. Okay, so its primary uh, attack uh, is beak, bite, or horns. It's up to us what we would do. I'm going to go for a bite. Um, which would be a, a melee attack. And it goes into all the different stats, depending on what size you've rolled. Um, and then it would have a slam, tail, or tentacle attack. I think if it's got a swollen body, a slam attack yeah. makes sense. Which is another melee attack. Uh, and again, it has its description. Depending on what characteristics you rolled, will tell you the stats here. So this is now giving us a mechanical side of things. The final table is another d20. And this is its special trait. Six. Six. Horrible strength. The nameless thing's attacks deal one extra die of the damage. Oh, God. And what you can do with this table is if you want to raise the challenge rating, what it says is just roll additional special traits. We'll raise the challenge rating by one. So if we wanted to make this tougher, perhaps you could roll again and we'll give it an additional trait. Uh, 17. Thick hide. Resistance to bludgeoning, piercing and slashing from non-magical weapons. <laughs> oh, God. So this is a pretty horrific creature that we've created here. The lurker from the abyss, known by the elves, rumoured across the land. Swollen bat-like creature. Claws. The lurker of the abyss, it was called by the elves. They said it was bat-like with a swollen body. But before you saw it, you felt a terrible cold. And then, out of the darkness, you saw its great claws. And that's taken us, what, five, five minutes to yeah. with the rules? That's already a, a, a quite horrifying and I imagine unique, although our mathematician friends will tell us what the chances of rolling that again are. Now, what I wanted to talk about now was We've created this, which is fun in and of itself. What would we now do with this nameless thing? Where would we fit this into a game as a lore master? When would you use this? I I think that I would... Oh, I don't know. I think there's a couple of options. We, we talked before we were recording about 
you know, this in itself, I think, it just captures my imagination yep. so much. I think if you wanted to do... I don't think the game is really designed for this as much as 5th edition, but if you wanted to do what we call one-shot, I think this would be a great way of doing it. You, you know, you just... Basically, you start by rolling up a nameless thing. That gives you a, a location or rumour. That's the hook for the plot. And then you just run everything around that. And that's how you start... That, so that would actually be the core of the adventure, yeah. would be this nameless thing, and then the, the yeah. quest. And, and, and I think the quest, you know, you decide, I don't think the quest should be like, kill it, because I don't think that's a reasonable objective. I think it's more like, okay, I've rolled up this new, nameless thing, it's something to do with Numinous. Okay, what makes quest sense in that area? Okay, there's a group of Dunedain, yeah. and they've been tasked by Elrond, or, or they've, they've discovered that there's some artifact in Numinous that they need to go and retrieve. And then this is actually, the, the adventure is, you know, you, you build the adventure on this. Maybe you don't even tell the players that there's a nameless thing involved. Yeah. And then that just springs out and it's suddenly like, the quest is retrieve the artifact. And this is the, the, the challenging part of it. Yeah, I like that. So I suppose examples we see in Tolkien's work, the Watcher in the Water basically is, it's not really the guardian of the gate of Moria, because that kind of implies that it's there specifically for that. But it is a, an obstacle for them getting yeah, into Yeah, Moria. the objective there is get past or escape. You know, because they could have gone back. They tried to go back. And then, yeah. yeah, yeah. So the, the, the quest there could have been about getting into Moria. And again, you wouldn't even need to tell the players that this was potentially the finale to the, the quest. Yeah. They see the door... There is a we know there's a puzzle there that's involved, and actually once they succeed with the puzzle, it triggers the the end. Yeah, it's a great adventure. Like that's you know a pretty awesome encounter right there, isn't it? And the the consequence is either they they get inside, great, or maybe they have to flee, which creates you know potential for a future adventure, or maybe they all die. So <laughs> so the lurker of the abyss by the elves that was in Numenas and now is Mirkwood Forest, yeah. which. But you know, fine, we've rolled that. So let's roll with it. We um how would we if we just have plan an adventure using that, what what would we do? It's in the in the forest. If it's in the forest I mean if it's in Mirkwood that kind of helps because that's already a kind of a, pl- a huge place, massive scale, a lot of unknowns, and um, it would make it very plausible for a creature to exist without being encountered by mm. many people you, you can think of you would be able to if we were running it in our game so you know a game with many many sessions you could introduce rumors yeah we encountered you've got players. a rumor right there yeah you, that this has been encountered or talked about or it's it's in songs or whatever we might need to sort of quest after it or we might need to cross the forest and encounter it or perhaps it is at a place that we need to, we need to drive it away from a particular place yeah. I've, I've got a thought the abyss where's their abysses well the mountains of Mirkwood which are right in the uh, middle yeah. are not written about much but the elves are meant to have maybe had refuges there um, I'm not sure if that's original um, lore or the adventures in the middle earth book but the elves are meant to have had refuges in the mountains and so that would make sense as a rumour. The elves would remember this sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, there's some talk of like vampires and that sort of creature. So, you know, I think I would probably place this in the mountains and have a quest which was, you know, there's something to retrieve, some old elven lamp or artifact or, or some other thing that they need to get. And then they encounter this this creature and it's quite harrowing and it's cold. Maybe it's brought the cold from the north down with it. You know, maybe that's yeah, why yeah, yeah. that's why it's still got the cold around it. Um, you know, I think 
to me that it really immediate like the naming the the things I like the most is the like way that it approaches naming and creating it rather than saying like you know creating this fictional talking lore and you know it's so evocative yeah I think so um, and the sheer number of possibilities that you could roll and I think all of them to do with the names I won't run through them because I think there's a an enjoyment of if you're a player experiencing it for the first time or you've got the book they are specific enough to be evocative but also vague enough that it doesn't confine you as the lore master to exactly one thing that it it, it still has that kind of unknown sense um, and it leaves a lot with let me spin the book around for you there I'm just reading at the names because the peoples that can name them are you know the normal men elves dwarves etc I was just wondering um, if there was one by the hobbits because I would quite like to mess with people be like it's the horror of the shadows by the hobbits and then it turns out <laughs> it's just like a particularly nasty dog <laughs> you know it's actually a really low level adventure for hobbits Whereas at the other end of the spectrum, one of the it can be known by is the wise. I imagine it would be pretty ominous if one of these creatures was known by the wise as something as powerful. Yeah, yeah you're like, quite frightening oh, if that's what oh, the wise yeah. is. Saruman's talking about it. Uh, yeah, I I think, you know, the, the example there that we gave, and that was not pre-scripted. No. And, you know, I, I think there is a bit about, you know, obviously that rumour and the story didn't really match up. So probably the way I would approach it is if I rolled something and it makes sense, I would roll again. Yeah. Or I might choose something. If I've got like if I've got the name and some of the stats yeah. already, I think I would be quite happy to just pick a rumour or make my own rumour. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what we've used previously with um, with kind of backgrounds is you can roll for like hopes and despairs. Yeah. But you can also pick. The way I've normally done it is I've kind of rolled. And if I feel that maybe that really doesn't make sense or fit with the others, I might then pick... But I like that you kind of roll to give a sense of of, of random um, and kind of creativity into it. So you could use it as an actual encounter, because there certainly are rules for this. I suppose you could use it just as a plot thing. So it's yeah. not something that you would actually fight. Um, it would be more of an environmental thing rather than an actual mechanical thing. But you would maybe hear about it, or maybe it's yeah. had some effect on the world that then has a consequence for a quest. You could describe it. You don't, you don't even need them to fight it. Like, the Balrog is terrifying, the, the Fellowship don't even... Yeah, all they do is run so, away from it. Yeah, and then even, like, Gandalf's fight, you know, we don't see that. It's just heard about afterwards. Yeah, and, I mean, we've, previous episode, talked about homebrewing monsters and how you would homebrew the Balrog, which you certainly could do. Um, and actually, I think Gareth, in our episode talking about Moria, talked about how they've kind of statted out options yes, for really that. I really want to see that. Looking forward to that when uh, when the book's published. But you're right. In the actually in the the, the canon, they they escape from the Balrog. That's really more of a skill challenge or or a chase scene. They don't actually fight it. I mean, it's terrifying. Them, it's terrifying beyond all of them. So, so there are different ways you could deploy the nameless things. They're not like the creatures on the pages before, which are um, things like goblins, orcs, and undead, which are very clearly stat blocks that you would fight mechanically within the rules in combat which have abilities and, and hit points nameless things can but i think you could use them without ever actually needing to roll the dice in game i think i've just had an idea which comes about from gundabad a little bit where you you encountered a lot of orcs and i didn't want it to just be like generic orcs yeah what i really like is the shadow of mordor yes the game the i was about to say game. short shadow of wardor which is not right um 
Shadow of Mordor games, they do a really good job of making the orcs have personalities yeah. and randomised, and it's it, it's one of the best bits of the game. What's it called? There's a mechanic, the ne- Nemesis? Nemesis system, yeah. 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 that's yeah. So actually, having one of these tables for orcs, you know, yeah. Golb the Gobby. Golb the Gobby. That's, that's... <laughs> Sounds more like a, a goblin than an orc. Like Golb the Gobby. Golb the Hungry. The Hungry, oh good, yeah. Golb okay. the Hungry, and he's going to gobble you up. Uh, that's not the best but you know a table for, for orcs yeah. so when you're encountering you know in a, in, a, in a dangerous place and you encounter an orc I roll get people to roll a couple of tables because yeah. I, lo- I love nothing more than getting players to roll on tables and they don't yeah. know what they're yeah. rolling for so ominous and then it's suddenly like you know Gardouche the Betrayer yeah. and you're like Whoa. that's phenomenal I quite like doing that and I um, I got the the book for Murkberg the sort of heavy metal gothic apocalypse yeah. one and it's very driven in a kind of old school role-playing sense of low it's basically a book loads of randomly generated yeah. tables for for monsters and names and themes of things and i've done the same thing which is sometimes when i've run a one shot i've just rolled a load of dice and just been like let's see what what comes out of it um and the language that's used and i think there's an art to writing the rules to to fill them with this language that when you roll them randomly it's so evocative that you're just like great here we go there's a game ready to go yeah with the the lurker of the abyss the lurker of the abyss well don't want to meet them in an abyss and dark night but maybe they're just misunderstood who knows (laughs) there's not a table to roll on that well thanks very much josh i'm uh looking forward to maybe running a one shot with a nameless thing and reporting back about how it goes No emails, except on party business. And comments, suggestions and questions to thefellowshipphase at gmail.com. The long year turns to its close. Much we have accomplished these last seasons. Our fellowship disbands, but is not broken. And we will return. On the next episode of... The Fellowship Phase.